0: In my bathroom, we have a plaque that a visitor gave to us. Perhaps she imagined she was an angel. Be kind to strangers, lest they be angels in disguise. So sometimes I need to remind myself of that when the angels don't always look like angels. But perhaps this plaque comes from the story that we have just looked at just now. It's a story that is very earthy. Like many, um, Abraham's behaving like many Bedouins would today um, in very rough terrain, hugely hospitable when three travellers appear. And even though it's quite inconvenient, it's noon, the hottest part of the day, and Abraham is resting He doesn't mind. He is very warm. And in a culture where to actually um, receive a guest brings the person honour, Abraham, I wonder if you've noticed just how eager he is to welcome these three visitors. This 99-year-old is running and giving instructions and shouting out and bowing um, with lots and lots of energy. And he calls for a lavish meal of meat and bread and curds and milk. And he calls it just a morsel of food. And then, as a good host, he stands apart to make sure that the guests are enjoying their dinner. A very earthy story. And you can see here in this picture, um, fifth century picture, um, something of that sort of earthiness of it. But at the same time, there's something very mysterious about it. See, Abraham had spoken with God before. We hear it in various stages at the, before this chapter. And yet somehow this encounter is different. It's a very I the more I think about it, the less I can understand it. It is such a mysterious story. And I wonder, when was it that Abraham began to think, actually, these aren't just ordinary travellers? To me, as I look at this story, perhaps if you've, you've heard it, there's something amazing about God who holds time and eternity in his hands, waiting while lunch is being prepared there's something very moving about a God who holds up the universe just sitting in the shade of a tree chatting to a very eager Abraham there's something beautiful about the God who creates the cattle and the corn in the world munching bread made by Sarah and a calf roasted by a servant I wonder When was it that Abraham realised that this was God come in human form? God come for a very specific purpose. See, there's two things that happen when God comes to dinner. Because at dinner, there is something about an intimacy, isn't there, about people eating together, sharing food together, looking across at each other, something uh, usually unhurried, especially um, at that time when they were resting from their travels. When God comes to dinner, the first thing that happens is that he may very gently expose our hearts, You see, I think that God made this special visit for Sarah's sake. See, God had spoken to Abraham a number of times over the years. He had called him out of his country with a promise of new land and many descendants. Abraham and God had talked often about all these children that Abraham was going to have. But Sarah was Abraham's wife and she had never been there in these conversations. But it was actually to do with her body. (laughs) It was to do with her womb. It was to do with her barrenness. And yet she'd heard all these promises secondhand from Abraham. And I can imagine that the pain over the years would have been increasingly unbearable. The social shame of not having a child, The Being the odd one out at family gatherings but also just the very personal private longing that she had as a woman those empty arms as day after day week after week month after month year after year decade after decade no child ever came despite all the promises and then perhaps when she reached the age when actually it was no possible not no longer possible to have children That feeling of bereavement, that feeling of grief for something that would never be. But at least then the agony of hoping would be over. At least then she could sort of move on. And then all of a sudden there's jolly Abraham talking again about these children claiming that God has promised a multitude of nations. Just when she thought she was beginning to get over it, she's plunged into this whole kerfuffle again and she has to be content with Abraham's expectancy and she has to deal with Abraham's faith in God. We've got to remember that Abraham and Sarah didn't have a Bible, they didn't have Genesis, they didn't know what happened later. There wasn't a church where God's truths were um, preached or sung, there weren't sermons and books and house groups to understand his ways They didn't know all that we knew about God. As far as Sarah was concerned, there was just these promises. Abraham would go off and meet God and they'd have this conversation. There'd be a promise. And then Abraham would come and tell her all about what him and God had talked about to do with her body. Just a voice in a night sky, a dream perhaps, wishful thinking, and then more pressure on her to do the impossible. So God comes to visit, and He comes to visit her. And as she watches Him eating the bread that she's just baked, she hears Him speak her name Where is your wife, Sarah? She hears a promise that she will have a son in a year, and she laughs. What's in that laugh? Long years of perhaps. Told her to laugh because if she doesn't laugh, she'll cry. A laugh of pain, a laugh of frustration, a laugh of astonishment. Is it unbelief just confirmed through this cycle of waiting and hoping and disappointment and despair? And so God comes to Sarah. He comes to dinner with her. And he uncovers something of that unbelief and bitterness and grief that is born of long, long years, decades of suffering. Why did Sarah laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I'm old. We're given God's words to her, but we're not given their tone. And I think that in God's love and his compassion for her, he's not harsh, he's not accusing, very Gently he comes and he comes with this question and perhaps a question to help her to see the state of her heart, help her to acknowledge the pain that she has and he comes in person. The first time, is it, that God appears? He comes to visit Sarah to deliver this promise firsthand, first time this time at her table that she will have this child that she longs for when God comes to visit, he may expose our hearts. And God asks, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Perhaps you've held onto a promise that God has made and you have prayed and prayed and waited and hoped, perhaps for many years, for something that's actually good, that you see can't possibly be against God's will. And it feels as though heaven is silent. God doesn't hear. And here what we witness is a very honest exchange, a prayer, where God uncovers the rawness of her feelings and perhaps something of our feelings and fears as well. Many of you will know the work of Pete Gregg and the 24-7 movement that is across the world And uh, Pete's, one of the books that I think is an outstanding one is this book, God Unmute, Engaging the Silence of Unanswered Prayer. And in this book, he tells the story of Sammy, his wife, who more than 20 years ago, um, as a result of a brain tumour, which almost killed her, she's had many, many seizures, which often bring her to death's door. And Pete Gregg, although he has been a pioneer in um, encouraging people across the world to pray, and where many prayers have been answered, miraculous prayers, the prayers of thousands of people for his wife have not been answered And when he wrote this book, perhaps, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, he said, I'd like God on mute to contribute to the shaping of a culture of greater honesty in the church, whereby we can publicly echo the laments of the Psalms, the despair of men like Job, and even the doubts of the first disciples without condemnation. If you want a brief summary of um, this book, although it's, very worth um, reading. Um, The Prayer Course too is online, and I know, Philippa, you have done it uh, with people. Um, And it's divided into five, um, really looking at that whole, the questions that we have about the prayers that don't seem to be answered. And so Pete Gregg talks with another presenter about um, the issues that come from unanswered prayer, Looking especially, actually, at these last days of Jesus' life, the Monday, Thursday, the Good Friday, the Holy Saturday, the Easter Sunday, and the questions that we ask, how, why, where, and when. Uh, and he also, there's always a, a little story of someone who has experienced um, some of the issues that come out of the, um, these questions. I would really uh, highly recommend it, as I would prayer course one. I think perhaps Sarah has made one mistake, although I don't blame her for it, and it's that she sees her private pain and shame as sort of hers, just hers. And I wonder if this conversation that she has with God Perhaps she needs to, to comprehend that actually the promise isn't just about making her happy and giving her the child. It's actually part of such a much greater plan for the whole world that she's got to somehow come to know firsthand the nature and the goodness of Abraham's God for herself. And that sort of shallow acquaintance, second-hand acquaintance um, of God's promises somehow need to be deepened in her own life, and she needs to recognise the length and the magnitude of God's covenant. She has yet to appreciate the privileged place that she has in God's salvation story. And I think this visit, this visit where God comes to see Sarah, is one step in unfolding um, this in her understanding. The pain of prayer really has no easy answers, but this is something that Pete Gregg says, um, saying out of his own experience of the struggles in prayer. Some of our prayers are not answered because God himself is a greater answer than the thing we're asking for. And he wants to use our sense of need to draw us deeper into a relationship with himself. We don't really know all the reasons for those long years of writing. But God did want to show Sarah, perhaps so that she'd know it deep in her bones, that he was the God of the impossible, that he was greater than any of the other local gods. Pete Gregg says, by by requiring us to persevere... Our unanswered prayers can therefore do more to shape our characters and nurture our faith than the instant gratification of wall-to-wall miracles. When God comes to visit, he may very gently expose our hearts. The Wrestle by David Tenzin I found you beyond the why far from the why not worlds from the why me you held a space for me beyond answers to questions my pain had as if you knew that information was never going to heal or resolve or fix my suffering. Instead, you agreed to wrestle through many nights, never letting go, always with me, just like you promised. Refusing to surrender, I eventually realised that wrestling with God was not a crime, that I was in fact being held, being healed, being transformed by finding you beyond answers, being blessed by holding on to you in my doubt and frustration and never letting go, and you never let go, and you overcame me in the end, and we both won. we're going to pray for each other now in silence and my suggestion is that you pray for the people sitting either side of you pray for the people opposite you perhaps two or three people that are just immediately around you some of the person you may know really well and may know the things that they are struggling with for some you won't know at all and that's okay because god does So let's have a moment just of silent prayer for the people either side of you and the people in front of you, and then I will close.